Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is my tag team partner, a man who knows this essential truth. Never, under any circumstances, trust Christian Slater if you're in a movie. The Macho Man Drew. Andrew Lano. I mean, you could argue don't trust him in life. I don't know him personally, but he's got that face. I would imagine... (laughs) <laughs> he does have he definitely does have a, a rogue bad boy face uh but i was mostly thinking of like this and true romance and then uh what was the name of that nintendo movie we did where he kept getting into shenanigans with his dad while oh uh the wizard brother the wizard yeah yeah, yeah. he also was uh, one of like uh started derail he was one of like three big name or four big name celebrities in this random sort of indie uh movie about a gay porn producer who got murdered he played the gay porn producer. It was very interesting. Mm, interesting. Is that recent? Uh, yeah, it's called King Cobra. It came out like last year or so. Interesting. Well, we're talking about Christian Slater because we watched Heathers. So you know what that means. We got to go back. We got to go dissect the 80s. It's your red scrunchie. Something's got to be done about your red scrunchie. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Great Scott. Of the crop. Oh, 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 yeah. Mega power, yeah! When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. And we'll say right off the top, uh, just as a quick warning, we don't typically do this on the show, but uh, this obviously involves violence, not necessarily in a school, but around a school and kind of sort of in a school, so. If that's something you don't want to listen to right now, I totally get it. So uh, we're obviously going to keep doing our same normal show here. We we wanted to talk about Andrew's been asking to do this movie since we started doing the show. So this is like a four-year-long request. And uh, the new television show is coming out. So let's just get into Heathers. Sure thing. Well, this is one of my favorite movies. Just we're going to say that off the bat as I'm, I've made known throughout the show. You've actually never seen it the whole way through, right? No, I hope we can still be brothers after this episode is, is all I'm saying. God, I hope so. If this, this is going to be our first fight podcast. <laughs> it's just going to be two angry people sniping at each other. Um, it's on Netflix, and I had previously tried to watch it some years back, also on Netflix, and I gave up about 45 minutes into it, which is honestly about as... <laughs> About the same place I wanted to stop watching it this time. Um, I didn't, obviously. But it was like the exact same spot in the movie that I was like, ugh. And I took a break and I I washed some dishes for a while and I came back to it. It's also available on Hulu. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's where I watched it. It would be in both places. So yeah, either any streaming network apparently has Heathers. It's just not all the networks. Oh, and yeah, and Paramount Network is also showing it to tie in with the show. So it's it's available. Yes. Like, you can yes. find it. Uh, so we're playing cricket, uh, croquet, not cricket. <laughs> and we're listening to Kesara Sara. Yep. It's it's just, I don't know, the opening of this and movie we, gets me we, every oh. time. It just, like, it's, it perfectly sets so, the tone for the whole movie. See, this is, this is my exact beef with it, is, like, this movie says it's a dark comedy, but it doesn't do anything funny when the funny, st- like, when the, st- when the stuff is supposed to be, like, ironically funny it's not funny oh yeah like, i, I laugh so much at this movie it's not like they i that is ghastly to me 
<laughs> like I'm not joking. I find I, this movie that is so kind of scary funny. to me that you find this stuff. Yeah, like when I think like black comedy people getting murdered, I want like Tucker and Dale versus Evil, where it's like real Scooby Dooey Three Stooges, but the it's like splatstick and stuff. Or like, like like to me, a black comedy about death is better off dead, where he's constantly trying to kill himself. And we did an episode about that back. He tries to kill himself like repeatedly, but he always gets foiled in the funniest way. Like. He's, like, thinking about hanging himself, and then his mom opens the door, and she accidentally makes him hang himself, and then he, like, has a panic attack about it. Uh, I think the biggest difference in the in those movies, because they're both 80s movies, they're both kind of dark comedies about death, the music in this is not funny. The music in this is serious, always, and that's what throws me off. Like, I don't know how to read the movie, I think. Okay, I can I can see that. It definitely has, a, a like, a more melancholic music tone. Um but I don't know. To me, it's just it is it is a razor sharp, pitch black comedy that is is very close. To me, I acknowledge that it's it walks a very thin tightrope and could easily dip into like bad. But to me, always kind of falls on the side of funny as in pointing out things that we don't like to talk about as a society, like how when someone dies, they're the best person in the world. Like no one ever speaks ill of the dead. Right. And, like, little things like that. Right. They're like, oh, that's totally true. That, like, every funeral is like, they were the best. He-. No, they weren't. Some some people are just shitheads. And, like, sorry. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I get I, I totally get that. I just, there was just something. Like, there's a few scenes in this movie that are, like, hyper absurd and ridiculous. Uh, particularly at the end where, like, she's smoking the cigarette. <laughs> and then there's the, the, the big finale. <laughs> I love that cigarette. And then she looks like Bugs Bunny after Bugs Bunny gets blown up. And, like, that's really funny. But the music in this scene is, like, a really sad piano music. And so it's like, well, I... I need you to lean into the Bugs Bunny if you're going to do Bugs Bunny. Like, I get that is funny, and I get I get the what you, the bit you're doing of like this is abs- like what all of this is absurd, but just the music underneath it with like even this opening with it's like a really sad version of Kesara Sarah and like like it's a real mopey whatever will be will be. It's like a really kind of bummer tone. I don't know. I uh, to me, I find, like I find the this ultimate movie version genuinely of kind of difficult. So anyway, let's talk about the the. Pl- so they're playing croquet in the backyard. Let's let's get into the movie. Yeah. We've gone ten minutes without talking about the plot of the movie. And so immediately they establish like they all the the three girls who are named Heather all say Heather interchangeably. Like Heather, it's your turn. No Heather, it's Heather's turn. And there is zero intonation difference. There's zero pronunciation difference or inflection. And yet they always know exactly who they're talking about. And to me, it's just the most beautiful, like, encapsulation of, like, high school click. Of, like, (laughs) yeah, they're all so in sync because they're all scared of each other. From what I have seen in both your life and in media representations of gay culture... It's a lot cattier than any life that I like any personal life experience. Yes. And so I wonder if that's where this resonates with you, because like I like I've made fun of my friends a lot and I still do. And we make fun of each other. But it's in like a hey, buddy, like real like there's a love underneath it. And when I see this, they don't seem to love each other. They seem to hate each other. And it's like I just don't relate to it at all. So we as uh, queer people that I know. I've heard you around your friends, and it's the same tone that I'm describing with the with the love in it. But like, I don't know, maybe like larger circle, it's different that I don't know about. But yeah, the cattiness, I, I just don't relate to at all. It's it it is 
uh, because we take a lot from pop culture and stuff. So like we'll use lines from this movie, but like we have the understanding that like telling telling my friend to shut up, Heather. Like we know that there's like we can say it like nastily, but we know that there's we have the understanding that there is the love underneath of it. Like in my phone, like no joke, in my yes. phone right now, I have a group chat that's called the Heathers, and it's me and three of my best friends. We are the Heathers. I'm Heather Chandler, and then we have Duke, Mac, and Veronica. I also have other friend groups where we are collectively the Heathers and trade off who is who. It's just I don't know. It's just a sort of a, a pillar, I guess. But do you think these characters like each other in the movie? Um, I think <sighs> this it, is going to be the weirdest episode of this podcast we've ever done. I think I just I it's I it's going to be a very unusual tone because like you love this movie so much. I do. And I can't think of many examples of movies where it's like you absolutely love it or I absolutely love it. And the other person just straight up dislike. I really do not like this movie. And it's like. I get what it's trying to do. It just doesn't land for me. So I don't, I don't like hate it. It's, it's, you would like, probably like the musical movie that are good and I like them maybe, but I just, it's interesting. Like I, I, I almost want to like spend an hour talking to you about the movie rather than like doing our normal thing. Cause like, it's so fascinating to me to be this far apart. Cause it's just, I can't, I genuinely cannot think of another example of a movie that one of us is like a 10 and the other one is like a three at best or a two. Like, <laughs> yeah, just very, very, opposite in 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 tone they don't like each other though because but that's that's part of it like the whole to me this movie it's very much you know it captures the heightened sense of of what high school feels like when like this is the only important time in my life and you know this is all that matters and then you turn 19 and you go wait a minute what but while you're in high school everything has that like high stakes stupid like daddy i love him nonsense like right no i totally get that yeah um i will also say that this movie reminds me a lot of another movie that uh you're gonna be excited to hear is directed by bobcat goldthwaite um i believe it's called god bless america and it's a it's about do you know do you know what i'm talking about it's about a guy um kills people right who Yes, yeah, it's it's similar in tone to this, wherein he goes after, like, he hates American Idol, basically, and he goes around the country, like, enacting re- revenge or vengeance on people that he feels are stupid, and so you, you ride along with this character on this psychotic mission for the whole movie, and so the first, like, 45 minutes to an hour of Heathers is really that. You're along for this sort of Bonnie and Clyde thing with Winona Ryder and Christian Slater, and I, it's just like not a ride I enjoyed being on. I think being a big part of of this is like I just don't, I just don't want to hang out with these people. Like I just don't like these people. They're bad people that I'm hanging out with. And it's weird too because I've loved antiheroes. You know, I loved Breaking Bad, and I was like, I didn't want Walter White to like win, but I was root. Like I, I recognize that that character is bad and evil, but I liked rooting for him as this smart guy. You know, getting his way out of things. I don't know. It's weird not to so, me. I don't just, think like, you're supposed to like so Christian Slater. Like, Christian Slater's character is not an anti-hero. He's just a villain. Winona Ryder is the yeah. only one I would classify yeah. Yeah, no, as he an is. anti-hero. Yeah, she, t- she, she, she has that, like, r- moment. Anyway, I- all right. <laughs> we'll just talk about the movie, and we'll, we'll, we'll go through the plot, and then we'll talk about these things all instead of all at once, because we have a format on this podcast, and so we should stick to it. So they're playing croquet. They go inside, and Winona Ryder, we learn, can mimic anybody's handwriting like a superhero i guess that's her uh, shtick, and so yeah. she forges a note from 
from Ram Sweeney to uh, they're they're in the lunchroom. Sorry, right? Or they? Yes, lunchroom. They need a let uh, a note from Ram Sweeney to Martha Dunstock, who's the fat girl and gets called Martha Dump Truck. And it's there's so many like little iconic moments in this movie for me. And like uh, one of the big ones is you'll need something to write on. Heather bend over, and just the like like scalpel like military commander control she has over her troops is just hilarious to me. Yeah, I almost like if you took this exact same movie and then like let Mel Brooks's team do the editing, I feel like I would be way more into the black comedy. It's just there's like an integral mo- piece of it missing and I don't know what the I don't know if it's music. Like, I mentioned it's what music, you said. but I don't know if it's just the music. Yeah, but it could be other things too. Like there's just something about this setup that I'm like, I just don't, it just doesn't click for me. It just doesn't land. But yes, I'm with you. Like the joke is funny that, that she's like bend over and she just like snaps and bends over. And immediately she starts writing on her back as if this is the most normal thing for friends to do. Yeah. Also, this is the, like of the many weirdly lit scenes in this movie, this one, this one is perhaps the craziest. There's so much light coming in the windows from outside that this school has to be on the actual surface of the sun. It looks like in the Terminator movies when they do the explosions <laughs> and like the wall, the, like all the windows go white and then it just like vaporizes you. This is just before you get vaporized. There's so much light on these windows. There must have been ten spotlights outside each of these windows to get this effect because it's like I don't it, know. It, it looks like just, a prison. They look, they're, they're like, like floor to ceiling windows. They're very tall floor to ceiling windows, though. Yeah, but they're definitely strategically lit to create this effect of like it sort of makes this space feel confined and 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 small even though it's a large room Mm -hmm. because there's just like all of the light coming in the window (laughs) they also do these really extreme close-ups with a fisheye lens of of the heathers and veronica writing this note the you know and then the, the football player and then the the heavier girl there's these like really tight push-in close-ups with a fisheye lens and it was giving me like real anxiety watching this scene of just this is like whoa, whoa. it's like all right all right i get it you don't though because you don't like it <laughs> but I, 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 it's not that, yes but i mean i get it is it like i get the effect you're intending so this poor girl gets this note and this is a staple in high school movies and we've talked about it on the show before and and it's it's still in movies today but it really drives me bananas when characters are this stupid like i was in high school if the most attractive woman in school passed me a note that was like i'm secretly way into you i would know that was not real i would know that like i was i was a a, i've always been a big dude i uh I wasn't like Joe popular, but I was probably somewhere in the middle in the high school pantheon. I don't know where I'd be now. The, the, the school rankings are way different than they were when I was in high school. But like, I wasn't in the bottom, but I was not at the top. And if one of the people at the top was like, oh my God, Trip, I have to have you. I would know that was fake. I would just know that was fake. And I feel so bad for this girl. But also like, you should know this dude's not into you. Yeah. The, the, so... There's a musical version of Heather's and explores things that the sh- the movie doesn't. <laughs> One of them explains why that note is believable to Martha. They had a hit, like when they were little kids, they kissed on the kickball field and it's like always mm. stuck with her. I see. So there's like little okay. gaps that the musical filled in that I enjoy. I see. Yes. Okay. That makes more sense. It also explains why but of course Veronica she walks over and gets them. absolutely humiliated. Oh yeah, that doesn't really ever get. Yeah, it always. That's my biggest concern. Complaint with this movie is I'm like, th- why is Veronica their friend? There's no like that doesn't make sense. 
like in Mean Girls, you see what right. like Katie get pulled into the plastics, and like other versions of this, you see that happen. It's part of the plot. This movie just picks up after she's part of it, and you're like, wait a minute, why? <laughs> there is a line where the main Heather says something like. Chandler oh, you know, I pulled you out of obscurity or something like that. Like, she was grooming her to be part of the team. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's like, referenced but never fully explained. Yeah. Anyway, the other – the girl gets – the poor girl gets humiliated uh, in front of the whole school in the cafeteria, of course, because this jock dude doesn't want anything to do with this heavy, nerdy girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also – We also get a, a really – entertaining montage because it's the 80s like because it's the 80s and it's the 80s clicks where they like zoom around the room to all the different clicks where they I was go just to the nerd say that. table and they go to the jock table and they go to the f- yeah yeah I, I did enjoy that that bit of it quite a bit and they all the costuming in this movie is so good because like every click has a very clear uniform that they all wear like the jocks all wear their letterman jackets and you know the nerds wear weird colors and the preppy people wear stripes the Heather's all dressed like working girl. Yeah, yeah. So you're like, in, you see someone and you know exactly. Also, who Christian they are. Slater, right? Which we've talked about before in these movies that we watch. Like, we need you to be more on the nose about what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a weird moment too, uh, because as far as we know in the movie, she and Christian Slater don't really know each other until after this scene. But he's like watching this whole thing unfold, where she like writes a note, and then this poor girl getting harassed. And he, like, reacts as if he's personally offended that Veronica did this, as if she's an old friend and this is out of character for her, which I thought was going to be something we explore until he walks up to her and is like, hey, how's it going? I'm Christian Slater. And it's like, wait, you don't know this girl? You're just being like, oh, what an idiot. To me, it seemed like the kind of – well, he's this is, like, his first day in the new school, essentially. To me, it always felt like right. he could tell she wasn't – really a part of this this popular click and clearly these are the pop this is the popular click so like oh you seem like the artsy girl and why are you going along with this shithead stuff right because veronica very much is like the artsy high school kid who is desperately trying to be the most interesting person in the room that a lot of me and my friends did and like still do sometimes i know people yeah, no, I think her character is very well written and it's interesting and I totally buy why somebody in her situation in life gets sucked in by this wackadoodle monster guy. It All of that totally jives for me. It's just that the tone of the movie is like, I, I feel like there's a Heather's cut that's more straight laced that I enjoy more than the one that we watched, which is that's like sort of half black comedy. Because I, like I said, it just doesn't land for me a lot of the stuff. So the like creepy psycho pulling some innocent into his web of nonsense is, is actually more like what God bless America is about. And I found that less uncomfortable than this, which is still trying to do comedy while it does that. But anyway, <laughs> next is the question bit, right? Where they're yes. doing the survey in the lunchroom, the lunchtime poll for the, I guess the school paper, it's never really established what it's for. Yeah. They don't ever say what it's for. They ask a question to everyone in the lunchroom and everyone meaning the popular people that Heather deems Heather Chandler deems worthy to be asked. And then they open it up to the, the boring people for per Veronica's request. And Heather's like, this is stupid. They're stupid. Right. And I, what was the question they asked in the first one? Do you remember? Yeah, I'm you sure get, you do. You get $5 million from Ed McMahon. And then the next, then right after aliens land and say, they're going to blow up the world in two days. It's basically, if you had $5 million that only lasted two days, what would you do? Yeah. Yeah. 
So, so we get a bunch of people answering this question in, in all sorts of, you know, semi-gross ways. It's what you'd expect from these, from the archetypes and stereotypes of a high school movie. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A terrible high school. Yeah. They also start, well, they, I guess they start from the very beginning of this movie, but their particular type of slang of just randomly shortening words is just makes me feel 150 years old and what like I want what? them to get off my lawn. It's very. I love very. It's very what? There's so many words that could go after that. I don't know what you mean. It's so very what? And I don't, it don't even give me an indication on good or bad. What are you talking about? You young weirdos. I love very. But and the I most egregious very. one is I know. And I always find it off-putting <laughs> because it's hard to tell sometimes what you mean. But the worst one is when she asks if she, what kind of corn nuts she wants. And her answer is to say BQ. You're only saving one consonant sound, Veronica or Heather or whomever. Yeah, no, Veronica asks BQ or plain. So Veronica sets that up. Yeah. Well, I wonder if corn yeah, nuts, well, like, w- if that was what the flavor was called. Like how we have, like, cool I, ranch instead of just ranch. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's BQ. Wouldn't BQ just be confusing to people in a the, world where we know what BBQing is? It was the 80s. There was a lot of cocaine. <laughs> it was a to different time. It was a different. It's a different time. Um, so yeah, they they have this- also Winona Ryder drinking a sixty four ounce slushy is like the funniest prop comedy that has ever had. <laughs> I love those giant props in this movie. She weighs like ninety four pounds in nineteen eighty eight, and she's holding a slushy the size of her actual human head. <laughs> it's great. So we cut to JD Christian Slater. Yeah, sorry. Uh, JD pulls a gun on the jocks after they call him uh, the F word that rhymes with maggot that's pervasive in these movies. And he calls them assholes in response. And when they ask him what he said, he pulls out a gun and shoots blanks at them. Yeah, and everybody is just very chill with this turn of events. Like, it's not a big deal that his, his kid pulled a gun and tried to shoot two students. Everybody's just very cool with it. But that's part of the absurdism of the movie, I find. Like, the whole, like, surface-level shallow nonsense. Like, they, no one ever pays attention to what's actually important about anything. They just, like, pick a surface-level thing and stick there. Right. But, like, I feel like the the instead of it being blanks and they like cut the movie to make you think he actually shot those guys is i want like the bang flag from the joker's gun okay that would have been fun too that would have been fun too like like i need it to be 50 percent more or like 25 percent more ridiculous because the way that it's cut it's like bang bang black screen and you're like holy shit he just shot two people and then you find out he didn't and then they're like yeah exactly it's 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 like it's weirdly edited to be a black comedy to me but anyway uh, I'm gonna stop. That's, I'm gonna try gonna to stop be doing your, that. Your motto I'm sorry. For the I know episode? I keep doing it, and it's <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. I just don't want to do that for a whole episode. So I'm gonna try not to do that. But I just that is a perfect example of what I'm talking about, and I feel like I've illustrated that point now, and I'm gonna stop. I'm sorry to everybody listening. <laughs> and so we cut to the Heather's playing croquet after school, and this is I guess the first instance where you realize their color is important because it's it hasn't been talked about. It's been shown like very clearly they each have their color. But up until now, it's not been spoken about. And then you realize, like, oh, Heather Chandler is always red because she's the powerful one. Heather Duke is always green because she's the, the envious one. Heather McNamara has no spine, so she's the yellow one. Yeah, I did not I did not catch that, but that is obvious use of color. Well done. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
and there's confusing Heather's croquet rules. Right, like just made up by the it's alpha I because I, I googled. I was like, what are the rules of like? Is this a rule in croquet? And people were like, yeah, in Heather's they added a weird rule where if you hit someone's ball, you get the chance to like hit it as hard as you can out, which isn't a thing anywhere that I found. Yeah, I, I've never seen that before either, but it's definitely a thing here. You were saying. This is the after croquet we get the first instance of a running joke throughout the movie, which I really did like. Is the parents who are clearly not even remotely listening to what their daughter is saying. Winona <laughs> Ryder ends up sitting down with them for like ten seconds, and this is like family meal time. Is like she sits down and uh, she takes a single bite of pate. They say like something to her, clearly not listening to whatever she just said, and she says, "Great pate, but I got a split." And it happens like four times in the movie where it's just great pate, got a split, but I got a motor, and I did like that. That is the. Yeah, that was more like what I was expecting the tone of the movie to be. The like completely aloof, out of touch parents and the nonsense of them eating this ridiculously fancy food and having this ridiculous house, but also they just don't care about their kid at all. Yay! Yeah, but that's they're that's the sort of their whole thing, which I like, especially the whole how he's no, they're great. That part of like yeah. No, why do I do this? Because you're an idiot. Oh, you too. Yeah. So this is where we get the scene that clearly is supposed to be a 7-Eleven, but isn't. It's just a local convenience store. No, it's not local, though, because it's it's like a nationwide chain. Yes, I'm sorry. I meant like the like they're just at the nearest convenience okay, store. Yes. yes, I was like, no, not, no, it's not like you are. I said Joe the wrong Snow. thing, but that's yeah. Yep. I yeah. It's not like <laughs> Jerry Snack Hut. It's just like <laughs> the local 7-Eleven. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. You kids want slushies? I got purple, green, orange. What do you want? He slides the thing up. Uh, they're slushies that don't have the domed lid, which is very weird to me. Like, you are not maximizing your slushy potential. Absolutely not. It's like 10%, 10% failure rate there. Yeah. No, thank you. And this is where she meets JD again. Well, she doesn't meet him. She sees him again. And he, like, charms her with his, I'm a boy in high school who can quote one line of poetry. And so she's like, ooh, my panties. And he <laughs> buys her a slushy. And in the musical, there's a great Heather Chandler has a great line later where she says, wave bye bye to Red Dawn here and let's motor. Nice. At the end of that. And I always forget it's not in the movie. He does absolutely look like a Red Dawn extra. Yeah. So they go to the party. It's a college kid party. And they are 100% known to be high schoolers at this college kid party. Yes. Including one guy going, it's so refreshing not have to ask you what your major is. As if that's like a difficult thing in his life. And he has to be like, oh, what's your major? It's such a burden for me to ask you. But do you remember his follow-up question? I, I, I didn't write it down. What he, was says, it? he says, I'm so, it's such a relief not to ask what your major is. And then there's an awkward pause in conversation. And he goes, when you go to college, what do you think you're going to study? <laughs> I, missed, I missed that. Yeah. I must I was, have been taking a note. It's so great. Um, I... This 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 frat house set is also amazing because it's like just dark dark wood paneling. It looks like your uncle's basement, but it's the whole house like wall to wall wood paneling, floor to ceiling. So it's very hunting lodge imposing. It kind of reminds me of the frat party in Adventures in Babysitting, if I'm remembering that correctly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's like a big loud house party kind of situation. Yeah. Um so they get separated and Heather Chandler kind of eat the the vibe that i got of this encounter was this dude is a pushy gross boy but heather also wanted to fool around with this boy yeah i guess to me i don't know it's it's one of the, the 
again, Andrew notices things in this movie that he loves. She's not wearing her scrunchie, so she doesn't have power. Ah, okay. See, you've watched this movie like 6,500 times, and maybe if I watched it 6,500 times, it would, like, it would, the disgust would wear off. Oh, so I'm just going to have to put you in a room, Alex Clockwork Orange style, and just repeat Heather's? (laughs) No, please don't do that. That would be bad. Because you keep pointing out things that are, like, really good, competent filmmaking, which is stuff that we don't often get to see on this show, and I feel, like, a little stupid for having missed them, but I was, like, kind of, I don't know, it was just... You wrote off Heather's, so you weren't clocking shit. I, I mean, I certainly I, I certainly was not fully engaged because I wasn't enjoying the, the, the tone of the movie, for sure, for sure I was. But you're right, this guy is like a creepy slime ball who's, like, definitely pushing her past where she wants this encounter to go. But... <laughs> Also, she, like, acquiesces to to go into this gentleman's lap, and she bends over, and, like, her forehead would have been about mid-calf from where she was sitting, but he seems, like, way, it, like, it does this, to- like, she bends over, and he leans back in joy, and it's like, this is not framed well. And like, the just camera pans for up the to thing the that you're trying to picture. make. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he, like, she would have been, like, headbutting his knee or, or calf. <laughs> yes. It's the same as in Carrie when What's-Her-Face starts going down on John Travolta and is vocalizing way too many words for what she's allegedly doing. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Winona Ryder is with another boy who is way grosser, and she basically tells him off and then accidentally starts a fire because she throws a, a lit uh, match out the window. Mm-hmm. And this trash can gets set on fire. And I'm like, oh, shit, like frat house fire is going to be the next part of the movie. But yeah. all it leads to is dramatic backlighting for when she and it's Heather so have dramatic. an argument. There's just a fire raging behind them. There's a garbage can fire. How, like, so dramatic for the fight with your high school best friend. Like, <laughs> when you're in high school and you tell the story of the fight you have with your best friend, this is how you picture it. It was in dark alley, it was a dirty alley, and there was a garbage can fire next to me, and we were just shouting at each other. <laughs> yeah, see, I, the movie you're describing is not doesn't feel like the movie that I watched. Like, I know the movie you're describing sounds hilarious to me, but it's not the one that we watched. Like, it it's is. just not at all that. They like, are one in the what same. What you describe is hilarious. This movie should be hilarious. But so it's you just need to watch it with not, me I so know, I can interpret the movie for you? Yeah. <laughs> but like i don't know it just i it needs to be like 10 percent more ridiculous i think is my big issue because you're right like that is a very funny thing as you describe it but when you look at the version of the movie it's shot like the beginning of batman when his parents get murdered well like it's produced by it's not funny it's really i didn't know that yeah well this is this is the scene this is the scene in batman whatever version because they put this in every batman where he like watches his mom and dad get gunned down and there's a bunch of pearls spilling all over the alleyway <laughs> stupid pearls um yeah i don't know it's to, and it's funny because when we watched better off dead i thought it was a little too ridiculous like i was like it's just a hair over the line for me I don't think I don't think that's an invalid point. Like I think that's a valid. No, I just think it's funny that, that like the but movie I that like... I love, you're like it needs to be more ridiculous. And then the movie that you love, I'm like it's a little too ridiculous. 
Yes. I, I, when you're going to talk about serious shit like this, I need it to be hyper absurd. That's exactly what it is. I wanted to watch Better Off Dead, which to me is a perfect high school movie because it makes everything that happens in high school like feel the way that it feels to you when you're in high school, which is like, oh, my God, everything's the end of the world. But I get, That's how I, think I feel the difference about Heather's. Right. But I think the difference is in Better Off Dead, it's a happy kid movie and Heather's is a sad kid movie. Like, and I'm not saying you were a sad kid. I was there. I mean, you were a I happy was. I had depression, part. so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that's the difference is like, like Heather's is the, Heather's is the like much darker version of Better Off. Like in Better Off Dead, he doesn't want the guy to get killed. He wants him to get like launched into space and murdered. You know what I mean? And that's the difference in, in it landing for me is like, I, that resonates with me. The part where like, we should fucking poison her. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Everybody be cool. Put that down. And that's, but like, that's how you're, you're supposed to react. Because that's to what's the about audience. to happen. This yeah, is also where we get yeah, an, I just, I, I wanted another iconic line of lick it up, baby. Lick it up. This movie's like so many quotes for me. Yes. Fuck me gently with a chainsaw. <laughs> lick it up, uh, baby. She and she, she and Christian Slater go to the aforementioned Bone Town after the college party is kind of a dud. They play strip and croquet. She explains what's they that? They play strip croquet. They do. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure how that works, but it seems to work well for them. Well, they make up their own rules, anyways. So they're like, "Oh, you hit the ball. Now you have to take off a sock." <laughs> um, and then Christian Slater's like. Hey, you know what we should do? We should poison Heather. <laughs> and that's basically what they go do. They go to her house and Christian Slater pours boat cleaner into a cup. Boat and cleaner. And then he goes up to Heather. Drain Heather's cleaner. Room. No, it says hull cleaner on the bottle, and it also says hull cleaner in the remake that we just watched. Everything, Boom, I just out Heather's. Everything you. says liquid drain cleaner. No rust buildup. I you Stop and Google hull cleaner, H-U-L-L cleaner, Heathers right now. I know what hull cleaner is. Because it's in huge... I know, but it's in huge letters on the bottle that the girl knocks over in the remake. I guarantee you it's hull cleaner. I'm getting ready to rap horn the shit out of you. Uh, liquid drain... It says liquid drain cleaner. I swear it says hull cleaner. Yeah, everything... Heather's Wikipedia. JD serves Heather liquid he claims his hangover cure, but is actually drain cleaner. Hull... My dude. Hull clean... But it's a drain cleaner, apparently. Hull! Well, it says hull like a boat. I was like, girl, it's... I'm still rapporting you. It's exactly what it says on the damn bottle. It says hull cleaner. Literally every... every If you say, what does Heather Chandler drink? It's blue drain cleaner. I know, but I'm showing you a picture of Christian Slater holding hull clean. I Look at know. it. I know. However, I'm guessing it's some kind of... <laughs> it's called... Like, the brand is hull clean. Well... In any case, it says hull clean. I assumed it was boat cleaner. They take her a cup full of it and then well, basically on. trick her into watching it, drinking it by saying... Winona Ryder mixes up orange juice and milk to give her to make her throw up. Because she's like, I'm going to get revenge for making her throw up. And Christian Slater's like, what if I give her drain cleaner? And she's like, well, that's murder. So let's stick with orange juice and milk. <laughs> yes. And she accidentally picks up the wrong cup, and he fully has a chance to let her know she picked up the wrong cup that she didn't want to give her. And he's like, nah, never mind. 
Oh, I missed the subterfuge there because I did not catch any yeah. sort of like princess bride shenanigans with the cup switch. Yeah, he has a cup with a lid, which I, is a, a thing. And I don't know why there's cups with lids ever. Well, they both put lids on the cups, but I thought she changed her mind and was like, all right, I'll pick up the, the, the no, boat cleaner. because she, he has the cup with the boat cleaner with a lid on it. She has her cup with orange juice and milk with no lid on it. He says, I'm sorry. And they kiss. And when they're done, she doesn't look and she grabs the cup with the lid thinking she grabbed her concoction. Okay. Also, orange juice and milk is not going to make anybody throw up, by the way. It wouldn't? I feel like it's gross. That seems like a gross throw up thing. I mean, it would curdle and you'd spit. It would probably make you ill if you, like, chugged it, but you would take a sip of it and spit it out and be well, like, you, this You milk also would curdled. smell drain cleaner and not drink it. So, like, let's... <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, uh, let's yeah, Let's suspend yeah. a little disbelief. Because she just downs this drain cleaner like it's... Yeah. Yep. She downs this drain cleaner like she's the anchor leg in a boat race, and she's just like, we're going for it, baby! No, like it's the end and of a flip cup race. Just skulls this. Yeah, exactly. And then immediately falls down dead through a glass coffee table that's I in her it. bedroom inexplicably. Oh, it's so extra. Her bedroom is so extra. But I also love her moment where she's like, you think I'm going to drink this drink, this drink because you call me chicken? Give me the cup. Like the big, she's like, oh, she thinks she's a big girl on campus. No, no, no. Well, in the eighties, as we've seen in Back to the Future, if you call someone a chicken, they have to do literally whatever you challenge them to do. Yeah, it was a lawless time. Best my, I just killed my best friend, your worst enemy. Same difference. All these lines are so good. And so they're like, Heather's, uh, not Heather, Veronica's freaking out, and JD is like, sees a copy of the Bell Jar next to her dead body, and he's like. No, he sees a copy of the Bell Jar Cliff's okay, Notes. That's and if you are getting depressed enough to off yourself by reading the Cliff's Notes of the Bell Jar, we have to have a different conversation. <laughs> so he's like, oh, she was reading the Bell Jar. Let's forge a suicide note. The cops will think it's a suicide. And they're, they're like crafting it together. And he's like, you know, it was a myriad. And she's like, she would never use myriad. She missed it on her vocab quiz. And there's this lovely, like very banal conversation in the middle of forging a suicide note about whether or not myriad is an appropriate word to use. And like, that's the kind of like absurdist nonsense that I love. Like there's pressing matters at hand guys. (laughs) I also really appreciated for once a movie using the word myriad correctly, which so rarely happens both in print and in spoken language. What do you mean? So as a word nerd, I enjoyed that. People always say a myriad of blank and you don't need a or of because myriad means a great number of. So you just say myriad soldiers, not a myriad of soldiers. Oh, no. I think they do say a and of. I think he says a myriad of problems. But she corrects him and says she oh. uses myriad correctly when she writes the note. Okay. Yeah. Cut to a bunch of teachers smoking cigarettes around a long boardroom table and trying to diagnose like what they should do when one of the most popular students in school has killed themselves because they don't expect it to be the popular kid. They expect it to be some, you know, weird loner or whatever. Was she a cheerleader? Uh, I give him half a day for a cheerleader all- killing herself. <laughs> the principal is very good. Like by the way, it, very, this, very. This is very one of my good. favorite scenes in the movie, and I'm so I was so glad to see they put it in the 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 TV show. We'll get there, but yeah. It's this, all these teachers being like, she was the, uh, uh, it's, no, she wasn't the cheerleader. She was the, uh, the, the other one. And like, oh, well, I don't know what we should do. Like, it's just, it's like, we can't send the kids home early. Their parents will hate that. And there's the hippy dippy guidance counselor teacher who's like, we should all feel together. 
And everyone immediately wants to throw her out of building. Yes, exactly. Um, so she gets her way, the guidance counselor, and she's like, I've made copies of the suicide note. We can all read it together. Because, like, it's that's to me is like so it's like that's it's part of the ridiculousness. No, that part that part is perfectly ridiculous, but it needs to be like a giant version of it that she projects on the wall for me. Like, I need it to be just. Like, it's just not ridiculous enough. Like, I need you to really hammer home that you know that this is ridiculous because otherwise I don't read the tone right and I feel sad inside. Just, uh, but I feel sad in Just here. watch it knowing the movie knows that everything's ridiculous. Like, just just know that in your brain parts. I, <laughs> I, I wish that I could do that. But instead I'm sitting here going... Do you know that this is ridiculous? Like, I'm offended that you're writing... Oh, no, the the joke is that they're reading the suicide note like an English paper. Exactly. And so Winona Ryder... Like, some kid says something about, like, Oh, she thought I was boring, but I'm not boring. She was dissatisfied. And so Winona Ryder starts laughing at how stupid her classmates are. And because laughing sounds like crying, if you aren't looking, she quickly turns it into crying. Yeah, and then runs away, basically. Mm Mm-hmm. So she and uh, Christian Slater are watching news coverage at his dad's house, and his dad has these amazing movie villain fireplace things. They're golden cobras on either side of the marble fireplace, which is just like 80s villain beauty. Beautiful. (laughs) The only thing that would make it more 80s is if the top of the cobra was a small glass like table for snorting (laughs) cocaine. Yes. That is the only thing that would make it more perfect that seems great so yeah, they're watching the the media coverage and heather duke is like pimping herself out to every news channel that will put her in front of a camera who's uh shannon doherty for those of you who have not seen this yes um so then she sees her parents and again we get a got a motor if i'm gonna make it to this funeral on time yeah and the parents are just like yeah okay have fun they don't even look up from the paper how was the first day back after school after heather chandler's suicide like Yes. See, the, all of those scenes were spot on in tone for me. I really liked everything with the parents. And then we smash cut to the funeral. What's up, Glenn Shaddix, as the pastor? How you doing, buddy? We'll Good see you the in show. Uh, two weeks, along with Winona. We've, I don't think we've ever had two actors in the same movie on back-to-back episodes, so that'll I don't be think fun. So. That is fun. Um, so it's Heather Chandler's funeral, and uh, Heather Duke has the best funeral outfit of anyone here. She's got this big, wide brim, like Kentucky Derby hat, and these like off-the-shoulder dress. It's great, and she has the best because everyone goes up to the casket to pray, and you hear their inner monologue, and they're naturally like make sense to who's giving them. And Heather and Shannon Doherty's like, I felt bad for praying Heather Chandler would die every day, but I guess you were listening up there, and like skips away. <laughs> Yes, all of the praying stuff is fantastic. All of these kids, their prayer, their insane prayers is really wonderful. The tone is just insane, mm-hmm. gleefully insane. Well, there is kind of like there's two sad, weird, like bizarre moments of this, like real life, actual facts about this movie. So, the woman who played Heather Chandler, she had the line, "Did you eat a brain tumor for breakfast?" And she actually ended up dying of a brain tumor in 2001. Weird. I know, and the kid who kneels at the casket and says, I hope this never happens to me, actually ended up committing suicide in 2000. Jeez, that's even weirder. Right? It's just, it's very, it's just two very weird... Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's very strange. Um, uh, we so... go outside from the funeral, and these two jocks are kind of like standing there, and then two nerds walk by, and the nerd steps on his foot, 
and the jock guy is like, hey, asshole, what are you doing? And the nerd, instead of like kowtowing like he's supposed to, gives him the finger, and then the guy immediately starts beating him up in full view of everybody who has just literally walked out of a funeral. He's just They're just watching this jock just pummel a tiny nerd boy. Yeah, making him say he likes dick. But... Yeah, it's very, very tasty homophobia right here. This is like the the pinnacle of this movie's homophobia. We also well, get the moment. No, it's, but it's the cro- it's the climb. There's more homophobia to come. It's like an amuse bouche of a homophobia to come. <laughs> exactly. There's also the lovely moment of Heather. Like, the chef has prepared this one this one little bite of the homophobia, so that later when we hit you with a fire hose amount of homophobia it will be a little more palatable so just one little bite here and then we'll pick it up in like mm, 20 minutes with just just a full-on fire hose of homophobia if you could just hang on a minute yes but there's a lovely moment where heather mcdamara like goes to the big i don't know uh dish or pool or whatever of holy water and like puts her fingers in it and then fixes her bangs with the holy water at the funeral yes it's it's so yes, brilliantly it a, stupid yes. It it is it is really good. That is a great scene. Absolutely, it's a great scene. Uh, I also wanted to mention this is just an aside, so I'm sorry to derail slightly here. But this director um, also directed the movie Forty Days and Forty Nights, which I can't imagine really? that you've seen, but I have. Well, I've seen that movie and with Josh Hartnett, yeah, about not having sex for Lent. And not having sex for Lent. Okay. Well, that movie ends with the male character getting raped, like tied to a bed and forced to have sex with a woman. It's kind of a nightmare of a movie for a number of reasons, but it also has the funniest scene I've ever seen in a movie that is about two people going to bed together, wherein Josh Hartnett picks up a bouquet of flowers and goes to the woman's house and proceeds to carefully blow a single flower petal around her body, which is just for her, like, the greatest experience. She doesn't ever need to know the touch of a man because now she's had the flower, single flower petal, and it is all going to pale in comparison. We call that, to that single flower becoming petal. a lesbian. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, this guy has directed a bunch of very weird movies. Is all that the point of that is? I guess his thing is weird stuff. Um, so then we get to the it's Heather McNamara and Veronica on a a quote-unquote date with kurt and ram the two football players um and this is where we get the instance of there's a it's date rape happening in the background of the shot that no one talks about and it isn't really acknowledged yeah it's really creepy and disturbing it's when when under writer said it's like one of her favorite parts of the movie because it's so disturbing and once it's not talked about and but once you see it you can't unsee it Oh, I don't know how you would possibly miss this. It's very clearly a man trying to overpower a woman in the background. And she's fighting him off constantly. Yeah, but it's like people miss that. Yeah, what because it's, it's not in the foreground. The whole the thing is, it's mostly the focus on Veronica and Kurt, I think. And then he passes out and then JD and her have a conversation. So the focus is never really on the background. They're sort of they're hidden back there. I guess. I mean, I get the point that she's saying is like this stuff happens right around other people and nobody notices. And she's right. But, yeah, it's really disturbing to watch her try to fight off this monster behind her. Mm-hmm. So, flash forward to school the next day, and Kurt claims to have slept with Veronica with Ram. They, like, together hooked up with her, even though the other girl was there, and nobody seems to think that that's weird, but no. that's beside the point. So It's one of the best songs she, in the musical. along with Christian Slater... <laughs> they have a song about, yeah, we double-teamed you? Yes, so the song... So, okay... 
Jesus. So before this, this the the song before it, when it's the two dudes trying to sleep with the sleep with Veronica, and she doesn't want any part of it. It's called Blue, and the song is "You Make My Balls So Blue," and it's like a, a blues number about their balls. So the next, well, the next number is they had a big sword fight in her mouth. Yes, she allowed it, and it's like the whole school turning on her for calling right, and calling well, her a slut. Well, I quit the podcast. <laughs> Uh, you can put this episode out. I retire officially forever. Goodbye. It's a fun musical. So Christian Slater's like, all right, we'll tell them to meet you at dawn and we'll, we'll scare them. Do you speak German? Because I need to lie to you in German. Again, these, again, with characters in movies doing stuff that is like, you have to be so stupid. He's like, there's special bullets that don't penetrate the skin except to put in a tranquilizer. It's not a real bullet. He also calls them I'm lying bullets. Oh, he says I'm lying in Eek German. Lug is I'm lying in German. So that's why he asks her if she speaks German. Okay. So he, so he can I lie see. to her. Do I, 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 I don't speak German. I didn't Neither know do that. I. That's what but it was. I, just know that. I thought he was just saying nonsense. No, I'm lying. Well, you've seen the movie 650 times. Well, she gets lied to about these bullets and then tells these two boys to meet her at dawn. And then when they show up, he has this bag of, it's just like a homophobia starter kit. It's a gay porn it's, magazine and a postcard of uh, Joan uh, Crawford. Thank you. I was like, it's not Joan London, Joan <laughs> and like lube and like whatever else is in there. It's a, can- and so, a candy dish, the gay porn, mineral water, and the Joan Crawford postcard. Yes, mineral water being the key one because, as Christian Slater says, it's the Midwest, so anybody who doesn't drink beer is obviously a gay person. Uh, He doesn't say gay person. Uh, So the two boys show up and start to take their clothes off, and then they shoot them. They just flat-out murder the boys. One of them gets away for a little bit, and Christian Slater chases him back to the center, which, like, hey, bro, why are you running in a goddamn circle if you're running for your life? Yeah. What is wrong with Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. And she kills him. She kills him, too. And then they're both dead. And then the police come, who are smoking a joint in the woods nearby. Stoned (laughs) And then Christian Slater and... Christian Slater and Winona Ryder hide by pretending to be making out in the front seat of the car with their clothes off. So the cop just lets them go. And because the other one is like, this is an open and shut queer sexual case, right? We got we got a Joan Crawford postcard here so queer, and, a, and a candidate. So clearly they're gay. And, you know, we can just, you know, they're clearly a murder thing for gay people. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Veronica is very like clearly at at her breaking point. Like she can't handle all the murder that she clearly is a party to. So she burns herself with a cigarette lighter. And then Christian Slater uses that burn to light his own cigarette. Yes, it's pretty great. And right after we get one of my favorite lines in the movie where a girl runs up to the Heather Duke and McNamara and goes, did you hear schools canceled today? Because Kurt and Ram killed themselves in a repressed homosexual suicide pact. And Heather Duke just goes, no way. <laughs> I also like that when we cut to the funeral, they're in the caskets in suits and their football yes. helmets. Oh, it's brilliant. And footballs. Oh, it's perfect. Yes. And footballs. And then there's actually like kind of a nice moment where the dad is like, 
you know, I accept my son for, uh, it doesn't matter to me that my son was gay. Like I, I, you know, I love my gay son and it's played for laughs because it's kind of a funny line to bellow out at a funeral. And so while Christian Slater and Winona are like tittering over this and I kind of am like, Oh, that was funny. Then then we immediately cut to the little sister with just tears running down her face, which is what I'm talking about with this movie and tone, like in but a perfect little Christian thing. Slater like, also makes a, I love my gay son. So he says, I love my dead gay son. And Christian Slater leans over to Winona Ryder and says, I wonder how much he'd love him if his limp wrist had a pulse. Which, like, that is the point. It's really easy to say that you love your gay son when he's not here and you have to do something. Like, there's no, like, backing to your claim. It's really easy to say that. Like, that's part of the whole, like, you die the perfect version. Like, everyone can support everything you do because da-da-da. Yeah, I totally fine. I just didn't need to cut to the little sister just tears running down her face about her dead brother. That hits really like that hits close to home for people. Like that's what I'm saying. Like the tone shift is like, oh yeah, your point is funny, and this is a fun. Oh, now I'm sad again. It's so they could <laughs> they show when a, when a writer right. could be These... like, oh, I'm a monster. Yeah, no, I get, I get the character growth. I get it. It just also made me sad as a watcher. <laughs> And then we get another iconic line. My teen angst bullshit has the body count. Yes. She's constantly writing in her diary and there's some With really a great monocle. lines throughout. And it's so great. That. Yeah. The monocle is pretty absurd. Mm-hmm. It's like a, re- like a reading. Gl- it's like reading glasses, but a reading monocle. Um, and this is where yeah. we find out that the hippy dippy teacher is actually a huge hypocrite. Because she's like, we're all going to feel together. Oh, cameras. I was so unready for this. Kids get in line and do your thing. Yeah, she's very clearly an attention-seeking crazy person. And they're listening to this on the radio at Christian Slater's house. And Christian Slater, like, his dad comes and is a big jerk. And then he pulls out a gun and shoots the radio, at which point Veronica rightfully is like, all right, I'm out of here. And then he assaults her. Like, he just full-on assaults her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Garbage monster status. So because she leaves, he needs a new woman to... to Well, there's also another interesting, like comedic line from that i find where his dad is obviously an asshole and he leaves and then um veronica says do you do you like your father and he says i've never given the matter much thought and like i don't know to me that's another one of those like that's another one like razor black comedy line of like oh that's right and then when it talks about do you like your parents or like that's it's just like oh he does mm. yeah that one flew right over i just thought it was just sad lonely boy who nobody loves which is why he needs to uh, why he's a murderer a little bit and so this is where heather duke takes the script because i got the go ahead i got the impression that christian slater's character has done this before yes you're supposed to yeah yeah so shannon doherty has taken the mantle of top heather she's got the red scrunchie and christian slater needs now that winona has left him needs another woman to influence to help carry out his dastardly plans so he blackmails her into taking part in this scheme that he's come up with, which is to get the whole school to sign a petition that we will later learn. Oops is actually a group murder pact. Suicide pact. Suicide pact. A group suicide pact. Um, so the, she thinks it's a petition to get this band called big fun who plays the hit song, teenage suicide. Don't do it. <laughs> it's just so stupid. I love it to come play at their school. Like it's the number one song in the country. Um, Veronica's trying to escape the Heathers and her old self, and so she invites her friend Betty Finn over to play croquet like they used to when they were kids. And then this is where we get a really ham-fisted metaphor for the movie, where there's the whole moment of they hit the, she hits the croquet ball, and Betty's like, 
the only way to win is to take me out and ha- and Veronica's like it's not my style I'm like and we get the mo- the theme of the movie mm-hmm. and then Betty says to her well nice guys finish last you don't want to do that da 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 Martha Dunstock attempts suicide she writes a note to her chest yeah it's really it's a it this scene is like unbelievably realistic to me this girl is sitting alone in the gym and she's drinking a soda and then she takes the lid off and goes to to drink out of the cup instead of using a straw and she pours it all over herself and she's like clear like this actress does an awesome job at this part because she's brilliant you've clearly seen her face like yeah because this actress is like well clearly i'm worthless fuck this and she pins a note to her chest and walks into traffic and they're cutting back and forth between this suicide attempt and the news coverage of the other suicide attempts. And you know, Winona is talking to her, um, into her, talking to her parents about you know this stuff that's going on. But like to me, and I, I just forgot her name again. But the the character who's trying to commit suicide here is uh, Martha. the only sympathetic character in this whole movie. Yeah, Martha, the only sympathetic character in this whole movie to me. That like. I got introduced to her in a shitty way and I want her to have a better situation. And then I'm like, Oh my God, no, Martha, don't do this. You, it will, it, life gets better. I swear. She gets again in the musical. She gets a really amazing, like midnight hour song that I always forget about until it, I'm, I'm seeing the show. Cause in the musical, Martha was Veronica's friend that she dumped to become a Heather, not this Betty random character. Mm. So they bring, she's more important and she sings a song about killing herself and then she does and then like that's how like it's like it done as this beautiful like song moment in the show where she tries to jump off a bridge and then Mm. they're like oh no she just has some broken bones because she's fat and stupid yeah yeah later we see her in like an electric scooter with a neck brace and a leg cast uh veronica and the other heather are listening to hot problems radio hot probs radio pardon me and this is a, this is a one of the weirdest things in the movie. They keep showing this DJ, and there's just absolutely no reason for nope, it. Nope, not at all. Like there's there's it's not there's no visual gag in the radio studio. This isn't a famous actor in a cameo. There's like literally no reason to be showing this guy in the studio. But they keep cutting to that, and then on the on the phone is the other Heather, who's like McNamara. My life is really hard. I don't know what I'm doing. Like any teenager, really. Yeah. But, you know, life is challenging, and I'm kind of lost. Again, another great song in the musical. Um, uh, and then McNamara Heather tries to kill herself after, it, like, word about her talking about this gets around in school, and Veronica actually saves her from trying to kill herself with pills in the bathroom. Yellow pills, no less. Oh, I thought they were more orange. Maybe I had a, maybe the Netflix rip is not colored as, as I don't well. Know. I, I, I'm pretty sure Heather McNamara even kills herself with yellow. Tries to kill herself with yellow pills. That would make more sense. If you were happy all the time, you wouldn't be a person. You'd be a game show host. Speaking of game show hosts, the principal in this movie reminds me of Richard Dawson in The Running Man. Yes, yes, yes. In terms does. of like crazy over the topness, yeah. So this big plan is unfolding with the signatures, where you know Shannon Doherty has been lying to her classmates and she tells every single person it's a different thing that they're going to see. It's, oh, it's, this is petition for this, petition for that, to, like whatever anybody needs to hear. To which Veronica is like, well, that's kind of psychotic behavior. Like, You're lying you shouldn't to be doing that. And uh, yeah, yeah. And she just doesn't care. Uh, but is it, does she know what the plan is? Because it doesn't seem like she knows what she the doesn't. plan is. 
because she's she just knows she's lying to everyone. And then uh, Heather Duke says it was it's JD's idea to get the signatures anyway. So Veronica's like, oh, not literally nothing good can come of this if this is his idea. So like, burn it, salt it, move on with your life, girl. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, get ha- get out of there. He's a psycho. And Heather Duke says, why are you pulling on my dick? Which which again, great lines, <laughs> great lines. So Veronica goes home and her parents are like, uh, your friend JD came by and said you might try and kill yourself. So we should keep you away from sharp objects and, you know, drain cleaner and prescription medication. And she just walks up to her room and they don't try and stop her or ask her any questions Mm-mm. or anything specific. It's the, it's the pin, it's the ultimate like end cap of the shitty don't give a shit parents. So she goes to her room and, and you know we go another dream sequence where uh oh uh another dream sequence where it's the the perfect lighting and angles and camera work for this dream sequence to feel very trippy and out like otherworldly um right where they kill heather duke and they're at her funeral and then heather chandler shows up and is like oh i've been i'm dead now and i i you know blah veronica and so veronica wakes up and realizes jd's gonna try and kill her so she's like i gotta think of something and jd comes in her window like in the dream and veronica has hanged herself yes and he reveals the entire plan to her in the dream no no it's, this isn't the dream this is him actually there he reveals his entire plan to her while she is supposedly dead and then leaves when he hears the mom yelling for dinner and then her mom walks in the room and sees her hanging there and then she lets her mom go on for like a little while before being like jk i'm not dead i mean which if, is if the mom grisly, was that shitty grizzly if the mom's that shitty i know but still and she goes hey mom why so tense so it turns out slater has made everybody sign a thing that's like the world is shit and we're all going to kill ourselves by explosion. And he's rigged up the, he's going to rig up the gym to blow up with the explosives that his dad's company uses. Cause his dad is a demolition guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get the end cap of the clueless hippie guidance counselor. Cause Veronica goes into school. This is the best line in the whole movie. And she goes, Oh, Veronica, I thought JD said you killed yourself. And she's like, no, where is the, whatever. Where is JD? And she's like, Veronica, stop and talk to me. Whether or not to kill yourself is the most important decision a teenager can make. <laughs> it's the best line in the movie. It's it's just the pinnacle of high school guidance counselors, at least when I was in high school, where, there, where it was like, I want to go to, like, my friend Carrie literally went to the guidance counselor and was like, okay, well, I want to go to, like, kind of a smaller school with an agricultural program that isn't in a big city. And they were like, have you thought about Pitt? And she was like, well, uh, let's take a look at my parameters that I just gave you. And no, no, I didn't. <laughs> it was like, here's the pamphlet. Go to Temple. Go to Pit. So Slater hides this bomb because a pep rally is coming. He's hiding a bomb in the gym. And then he's down in the boiler room. Winona goes down and confronts him and pulls a gun on him. And he manages to, like, get her off her game for a bit it minute and then knocks the gun out of her hands and takes it from her and goes back to his dastardly plan and there's like a pretty long sequence of like getting to the final fight where they like they're gonna fight obviously to to do this the principal's given this like big speech upstairs like our school's the best don't kill yourselves and then slater is like frantically wiring up a bomb 10 feet below him and it sort of culminates with uh 
Christian Slater gives Veronica the finger and she shoots off his middle finger. It's so good. Yes. Although the physics of this scene, that is a li- literal impossibility that he wouldn't have taken one in the shoulder afterwards, but it does look very cool. Yes. So she's like, I've won. She disarms the bomb and she leaves. No, he disarms oh, he the bomb. Stabs it. He stabs the bomb with a knife for no reason and then it stops it. Well, I think he gets shot and so he like his I don't think he like purposefully stabbed it. I think he just ended up stabbing it and it stopped it. Well, whatever. The bomb doesn't go off and instead of like taking it or like calling attention to this, she just slowly walks out of the school like in a daze and lights a cigarette and I want to be like Hey, I know that you've stopped the immediate danger, but step two is running into that gym going, there's a bomb, there's a bomb, everybody get out, there's a bomb, get out. Like, (laughs) that is step two of this plan, because just because it stopped temporarily doesn't mean it's over. Save the people, Winona. So she goes outside. Pretend it's Will. Pretend it's a lot of, (laughs) pretend it's a whole gym of Wills, okay? (laughs) You need to save them. So she goes outside. And then Christian Slater pops up behind her and he's like, bloody, dying, smoky mess. And he's like, oh. Strap the bomb to his chest. Yeah, he's like, well, it's, someone's got to blow up. And so she lights, she like puts a cigarette in her mouth and just holds it there. And he detonates it unreasonably close to her without hurting her. Yes. But when the smoke clears, her cigarette's been burned down completely and this is the bugs buddy moment where her hair's all like blown back and her face is covered in soot it's great so she goes inside and sees heather duke and what she takes a drag off the cigarette too as like a final punctuation of that moment which is really great yeah and heather duke sees her goes you look like hell and veronica goes i just got back and rips the red scrunchie out of her hair (laughs) goes there's a new sheriff in town which is so great. And she sees Martha Dunstock and she's like, let's be best friends. And Martha's like, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> and there's, that's a, that's a nice moment. The movie ends on a very nice moment. That yeah. is, that is what I can say most positively. Do you want to hear how it was supposed to end originally? Sure. The gym, he blow, he does blow up the gym with everybody inside and we cut to heaven where all the clicks are mingling together in harmony and peace. And Martha Dunstock is singing a song like she's a cabaret singer. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But the stu- that would have, this movie would not be a cult favorite if that's how it ended. I agree. Although I, it, I don't know. There's something interesting about that yeah. idea, but yeah, it's brave and bold for sure. Um, do you have, I know you have final thoughts, so go ahead. I just love this movie. It's so good. It's so quotable. It's so good. It's, it's, ah, oh, it's great. The musical's also uh, amazing if you, you get the chance watch, to watch the musical. I think you should watch Mean Girls or Better Off Dead. Mean Girls get- is nothing compared to this movie. Like, they are so indifferent. I, I, people like to say that, like, it's, like, Heather's is the 80s Mean Girls, but I think they're so radically different that it's hard to compare them. I mean, Mean Girls is like a hyper absurd high school comedy about how evil high school kids are. I, I don't know. To me, Heather's has this one is darker than Mean Heather's Girls. Heather's has like the dark grit murder ass. Like it's it's a tense. It's a little tense at times. But and like Mean Girls always has that like Tina Fey wink to it that this doesn't have. Like they're both. I mean, if you service yes, and that is why surface it's a level much more enjoyable movie. I, they're different movies. <laughs> I like them both for different reasons. I find Heather, I like Heather's a little better. I think it's, I like the grit. I like the silly, I like the nth level of silliness that it takes it to. 
I found this very depressing. <laughs> I I'm sorry. I know you love it. It's I've like I said we've never like I found this movie legitimately depressing to watch. I'm sorry. But now that you've heard everything I like, said about like, it, that you're like, oh, I didn't think that. I didn't catch that. I, watch I, it again. I res- I respect the. F- I respect the filmmaking, but this is the kind of movie that I watch and I want to take a shower afterwards. Like, I just don't like hanging out with these characters that have no, like, like, like very little redeeming quality to them. There's no, like, there's no, there's, this movie is entirely shades of gray. There's no, there's no clear good person or bad person. I like those sometimes. Like, that's, while that's true to life. Yeah, no, I, I, people like that. And, like, while that's true to life. I want like a much more clear good guy and bad guy scenario. I don't care if the bad guys win sometimes. Like this is my big beef with the Marvel movies. Like we, there should be a Marvel movie where the good guy loses. I'm sorry. Like that's the thing that should happen. There should be a Captain America where like the Red Skull wins and they're like, oh shit, what's going to happen? Like it's I don't have called that problem. Their TV but I guess show, this movie is. Yeah. But who's got time? I have friends who do. And I'm like, look, Marvel, you, you're, you're already getting about. 10 to 16 hours a year in movies I'm not giving you an additional 16 to 22 hours of my life for your stupid show yeah people are like oh well you gotta watch Jessica Jones Daredevil the Defenders no no no, no. those are different absolutely not no no the Netflix shows are a different animal completely I'm talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fully okay, takes well, place in the about same universe the Netflix shows too no because you don't have to watch Jessica Jones and Defenders to understand their the Marvel like cinematic universe stuff. They're technically separate and they're not all, mentioned. They're all tied in. Yes, but, but like they're, they're all tied in. They're they not mentioned the incident in New York. Yeah, but they're not like they don't like bring the Netflix stuff into the movies. It's a very weird delineation they have. Yeah, but then they'll be like, they're like, oh well, they spent a whole season of you know Agents of Shield dealing with the fact that Shield is actually Hydra the whole time. And I was like, okay, I'm not watching that. Like. I need to know what happened without <laughs> watching 22 hours of it. Right. Yeah, that's too much. You can keep it, Marvel. Yeah, I would say you should watch Better Off Dead if you need an 80s movie about the high school experience or no. Bean Girls if you want to go more current, even though Andrew doesn't think that's the same thing. But I like both those movies, and they don't make me want to take a sad shower. So that is what I will say. I would much rather watch Heathers than either of those. I'm sorry. I hope we can still be brothers. We'll see. Thank you guys for listening. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. This was such a weird episode, but I just want to uh, once more say thank you to Sophie for the awesome bingo game. Please tweet us if you play along and, and uh, uh, although this is probably not a good episode to play it on, but if you do play, uh, send us a picture. We'd love to see it. Uh, you can get us at dissecting the eighties on Facebook or at dissect the eighties on Twitter. You can always uh, write us an email at dissecting the eighties at gmail.com or call us at eight, five, six D I S S E C T. Lastly, please rate and review the show wherever you get it. Uh, iTunes helps us the most, but we'll take what we can get. Uh, and if you do review it somewhere than iTunes, uh, might be harder for us to find. So if you've reviewed us somewhere else and you're like, why aren't they reading my review? Send it to us and I'll, I'll make sure we do that. But anybody who review, reviews the show, we read it on the air. So please review the show and we will read it and you can hear it. Um, we will be back in two weeks for the continuation of this month, which is, I guess, Winona Ryder and uh, uh, Glenn Shaddock's month. Uh, I think... This movie turns 30 this year, I believe, and as does our next movie, which is... Beetlejuice. What? Beetlejuice. 
No, they have to hear you say it. You have to say it in the microphone. Beetlejuice. Hey, it's gone. Oh, shit. Thank you again so much for listening to the show. Uh, I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until March 26th. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.